Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Fiona Renee from ABC's Stumptown. I'm sitting here with Elias, and we're listening to the Man Cave Chronicles. Let's do it, dude. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, boo. Yo, ain't you? A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more from deep inside the Man Cave. Your host, Elias. Fiona, welcome to the cave. Thank you so much for having me. I'm like so stoked to be here, Elias. Thank how, you, man. How are you? What's new with you? Uh, you know, I was just watching some American Horror Story. I took the past hour or two off of work and uh, just been kind of enjoying the day with my roommate. It's a crazy time right now. We're living in a crazy time. Right, right. How are you dealing with all that? Um, I think I'm, you know, I think I'm doing fairly well. In comparison to the spectrum of how well people can do, I think yeah. I'm doing okay. You That's know, yeah. I can't complain. Um, I've been sticking to a routine. I've been smoking a lot of weed. I've been painting. I've been writing. I've been talking to my friends and my dad and, you know, all the things that we live for. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. So you've been busy last few years with uh, numerous TV show appearances. And recently you're on ABC Stumptown as Detective Carrie Lee. And we'll talk about that. And that show is fantastic, by the way. Oh, thanks. It's a fun show. Those writers, yeah. those guys are very talented people. Yeah, and I can't wait for us to talk about that. But I want the listeners to get to know a little bit more about you. Where are you originally from? Uh, well, I I guess I'm kind of a gypsy, to be honest with you. Um, I grew up, I was born in Montana, but I never lived there. And I grew up mostly in Shawnee, Oklahoma. But we moved every year, and then we would go back there kind of as like a home base. So I, uh, I would say I'm just, uh, just an American, you know, yeah. all over the States, but, uh, my family's from the South, like my dad, his family, our roots come from, from Oklahoma rednecks and my mother, uh, rest her soul. She was from Taiwan. Um, so I'm half Chinese, half redneck. <laughs> <laughs> so like, so out of all the different places that you, uh, that you lived in, what was your favorite? You know, as a child, before moving as an adult, I probably would say Austin, Texas was my favorite. But now, uh, now that I've lived in Europe, I want to go back to Europe. <laughs> you ever been to Europe? I lived in uh, Greece for four years. Oh, my gosh. And there you go. Especially Greece. Yeah. I mean, come on. The weather there is amazing. I was in yeah. Croatia for a while. And that, I mean, that's just the most beautiful part of the whole world. Right. How long did you live in Europe for? Uh, I was in London for about seven years, um, back and forth between London and Paris for about seven years. And it was a really kind of weird story. I, I graduated college uh, from Oklahoma Baptist University. I moved back to Texas and with my parents, I started doing a day job, property management and leasing apartments um, at, you know, 20 years old, 21 years old. And then I was also working part-time as a kind of like a, it's called a personal nurse, but it's basically like a nurse that takes care of people when they're old. And so I come into your home and I wipe your ass for you. Um, and I was just, you know, trying to figure out what a theater degree was going to get me. Um, and that turned into me marrying a British dude and saying, screw it, let's move to Europe. <laughs> and then I went to Europe and made a whole bunch of mistakes there. Uh, and then I moved to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> so... 
Like, so how did you end up in the acting world? Then, what, what uh, made you get into it? To be honest, it's the only thing I've ever done. Um, I was in, you know, people ask you like, what's your first acting experience? And I've always had the same answer my whole life. Uh, I was in a play in second grade called It's a Jungle Out There. I played a dancing banana and a rainbow striped zebra. And I just remember like, that's, <laughs> that's what I want to do. You know, I just want to be able to play for a living and, and see perspectives and stand in the, sh- in the shoes of a character for a living. Mm. Um, and I really didn't know what that meant at the time. And I only really recently discovered what that meant. Um, you know, moving to Los Angeles and actually seeing what does it look like to uh, be a corporate artist which is kind of what happens whenever you are in TV or you, uh, you know, even as a musician, there's, there's all, there's like a line that you cross where now the corporate world is your partner. Mm. How long, how long you've been in LA now for? Uh, Four years. Wow. So when you went back to LA, what was your goal right away? Was it to try to get into acting? Like, what did you, you must have have brainstormed something before you went there. Yeah, well, I graduated college, right, um, in 2008, and I had my degree in theater, and I knew since I was younger I wanted to be an actor. So I did plays, I graduated with my degree, and and did more community theater, and did more free art. Um, And then when I moved to London in 2010, I tried to get an agent, tried to get headshots, tried to get auditions, auditioned for everything under the sun, right? Um, but I didn't really know how the TV or film world worked. Uh, I didn't know people who were writing, directing, and producing films and TV. All I knew was kind of my tunnel vision actor mind. And it wasn't until I moved to Los Angeles four years ago that uh, acting as the lead in a story became uh, just as important or less important than the story I was telling itself. Mm. And when that became a priority, uh, the, the, the story I was telling, not just the voice of my character, uh, something changed. And it made me realize kind of more of the purpose of what I did as a story builder, um, as an actor. And it was a communal thing. It was a team thing. And my whole life, I had not known how to play on a damn team. I'd been all for one and one for all for so long that... It was a it was a really rude awakening in a way uh, to realize, you know, you want to make it as a as a star. You realize like you got to be amongst the stars. Uh, it ain't just you. It'll never be just you. So when you went back, did you like even started taking like acting lessons again, just to like, you know, like rev the engine pretty much get you going? Um, I took a couple of classes that I had friends recommend I never uh, signed up for a long-term class yeah um but I have a thing about I mean I'd never been to LA as an actress before this four years ago okay I'd never even tried LA before I almost had a jaded uh perspective of the city and when I first got here I kind of you know, I tried to find community. I took a couple classes here and there, but I wasn't committed to any of the classes because I wasn't committed to those communities. After a couple years, I went through a divorce and my mother passed the year that I moved here. And after a couple years, I had, I had built a community of friends. And those people were the people that I was calling about ideas for stories. They were also the people that I was calling about um, the arguments that I was having in my own mind. And I think that's what really 
what really helped me, to be honest. Mm. I mean, there's a million acting classes out there that probably don't even teach you how to freaking act. But if you can find a community that supports you in the growth of you, that's the key, mate. So when you when you're out there, do you start like auditioning for things right away too? Like what was like your first gig when you went out to LA? Uh, when I first moved out here, my first job that I booked was I booked by myself. I hadn't signed with like an agency. I still don't have an agency actually. Um, I have a manager. I signed with her pretty quickly. She has maybe six people on her books. And um, she didn't even get me my first job. And that's a huge deal, right? Like trying to figure out, okay, if I get the job for myself, do I still pay my manager? Right. Uh, yes, you do. You do because you guys are a team towards the business and everyone's working towards the same goal. So if you don't want to pay her, then don't put her on your team. Um, but that being said, I got my own job. The first job I got, it was this really uh, botchy B-horror film called Sinister Squad where I played a monster. And I had these crazy teeth and these crazy claws. I was named Karaboff. Um, I'm sure you can find a picture. It's, it was pretty wild. Uh, but it was a B-horror film. It was non-SAG. It didn't pay very much, but it, it got me involved. Um, and then from there, I just kind of auditioned for everything that felt right. And I, I tried not to force anything. Mm-hmm. And the second thing I got was Get It Girl. Get It Girl was a daytime broadcast talk show that we had for about, gosh, three and a half years. And... Um, and it was amazing. It really made me step away from uh, having to act in another character's shoes on camera and letting me be myself on camera for a change. And that yeah. was really interesting. That's awesome. And now you star on uh, ABC Stumpdown. Yeah, it's wild. It's really wild. And the whole ride. process is like, dude, the whole process goes so fast, so fast that I, I'm trying to understand it just as much as anyone else in my life, you know? Um, but it does feel very it doesn't feel glamorous. It feels very normal. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Even a Hollywood set, you know, people got to bring their kids in. They couldn't get a damn babysitter that day. Um, my hair, my hair girl, Rita, she did my hair for the first half of the season and she broke her arm in the middle of the season oh. and, uh, you know, may have to retire now. And all of those just like normal community things where people that you don't know, you start to know people that you care about, go through something and it affects you yeah i can see that yeah you know yeah so, so how do I, so tell us like tell us about your audition for stumped out when you went in there and did you was originally when you first went in there was it for the detective role or was it for a different role no you know this is such a crazy weird story so one uh i don't know if you know much about abc showcase i do not um know. It changed my life. That's basically kind of how I got in in front of the eyes of the people that are making a stump town. Um, ABC does a yearly um, sh- actor showcase, but it's part of their creative develop. Sorry, excuse me. It's part of their creative development talent inclusive. And now that Disney's bought Fox and everyone else, it's called Walt Disney Television Group. And Walt Disney Television Group basically really, really invests into people who have lived stories that need to be told and they interview producers directors writers and actors and kind of bring them in under their wing and give them a little bit of information on how the industry works but also makes them kind of fend for themselves um and i did that in 2018 and it really opened the door to me getting seen by casting directors and getting seen by people that had no idea my name before i moved here you know yeah 
And that's the hardest part, I think. You get to L.A. and there are so many people that are so badass, but no one meets them. And when they do meet them, they're so scared to show how badass they are that no one realizes it. So I really have to give it to ABC for giving people and myself the opportunity to be seen. Um, After that, I got seen for quite a few series regular roles. They actually read me for Cameron Mannheim's role, Lieutenant. Okay. Um, but, you know, I obviously couldn't play that role. And a few months later, the same casting department called me in and said, hey, can you read for a possible recurring co-star? You got two lines. You basically hand Michael Lealy a folder. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll go in and read the two lines. <laughs> so I go and read the two lines. They're like, yeah, okay, you booked it. So I go in and I have two lines to hand Michael Ely a folder. And that could be the last time and first time I'm ever on that set or not. And I just don't know. And then two weeks later, I get a call and they say, hey, they want to book you back on another show. Um, and it just kind of grew from there. Wow. Like, fast. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, your role got bigger and bigger near the end of the season. Right? Did you finish the season? Oh, yeah. Did you see Ultimate? Oh, oh yeah. my gosh, it gets so heavy. Right, right. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. So like, okay, so, like, how would you describe your role as Detective Kara Lee? Oh, she's got so much growth. I don't want to give anything away, but uh, but the character is, uh, they really made it possible for me to envision her with so many layers, to have so many fears that she's hiding, that she's not willing to open up about. And that really helps us kind of, as long as she opens up eventually, have a timeline with her. So I hope that we see her for more off, you know, well, let's hope we have a season two, right? Right. Um, but if we get a season two, let's hope that we see her again. And I think... I think, you know, the show's such a female-forward show. It's really about seeing these female individuals and seeing how they struggle to uh, control and more so let go of control um, in the positions that they're in, especially in such a male-dominated kind of world. So, you know, Kara, she's grown me a lot. Even just reading her lines, she's definitely grown me. So, like, when you got the role... And, you, you know, the first they told you you're going to come in, you're going to do just the two lines with the folder, and then they called you back, and your role got bigger. Like, how, like, how did you prepare for that role, like, playing a detective? Like, what kind of research did you do? Um, I definitely Googled the process of, of becoming detective. Yeah. I thought it was only fair that I, I really understood the stepping stones of what a character had to go through to get to that place. And I think that's the interesting thing is about Kara, is that she is a very young, very hard-driven female. In order for her to have risen amongst the peers that she has to the rank that she's gotten to at such a young place, she had to have, you know, scraped her knees along the way. And so I, I look forward to seeing what the writers give me in regards to what I've been through. You hear a little bit in the series about me being married to a, a dentist, me being in dental school, having this whole other life that I kind of abandoned. Um, and I think because of that, that's where that that's what we're going to see more of is we're going to see kind of like uh, her history and her future unfold before us mm. is there like does that answer your question what oh, was your yeah. question <laughs> <laughs> but like now is there anything like you would change about her dude that is such a good question you know i'm i want to initially say no i've loved every piece of her but there was one thing that i read in episode six um Hoffman asked her a question 
and uh, it was about uh, is it was about cheating. He, I don't know if you remember the scene, but Hoffman asked Kara while they're um, doing some un- some they bust down this guy's door and they're like looking around his house and Hoffman wants to know about you know girl advice on what I, what he should do with Dex and yeah. I answered back in a um, if if my man slept with another woman. I'd have a problem with that. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah, she really just kind of gave it to him then. And she really feels like, you know, you communicate with me and this, I'm a monogamous one woman girl. And she said that a couple of times during the season, you know? Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what she really means by that because the writers and I kind of have to get on the same page there. Right. I have the feeling that Kara or Kara, you can call her ever whatever you want. Um, I have a feeling that there may be more to it and that may be some kind of uh, wall that she's putting up. Mm. Um, and I'm still kind of determining that for myself. And I think if I am, that means so is she, right, you know? Right. So you mentioned Hoffman, like how would you describe like the chemistry between you and, <laughs> and the character? Cause we all know what happened near the end of the season. Oh goodness. Of course. <laughs> um, well, one, Michael Ely is just a dream to work with. He is a, he's just chill and calm and cool and collected. He's got a beautiful family, and I love that man. Um, I, I think the chemistry really comes from the fact that, you know, whenever you work with someone, it, it creates a, a comfort, like family. Yeah. Right. You trust them, even though you may not like them or agree with them. And I think what's happening with Kara and Hoffman is that they are building a trust subconsciously um, that that may be good for them later or not. Mm. Um, but they're definitely building a, a, a trust. And um, I think it helps that when I met Michael on set, originally we just had loads of banter. Um, and we were just joking about all sorts of stuff that it was easy to kind of bring in that same chemistry to our characters. And I think maybe that's what the producers saw. But um, I think the character so much room to grow that it's kind of only the beginning of, of, you say the word chemistry, but I kind of feel like their relationship, right? Yeah. yeah. I agree. So, yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens, right? And so there's been no word, no word yet on season two, huh? No word. I mean, there are like random journalists that will come out with something, and and I'll I'll read it and be like, where did they? You know, who told them this? Or where did this information come out? But um, no, no word yet. And I've been in slight liaise with a few of the um, producers, and I think everyone's really concerned with um, with making sure that all of the actual spaces of production, the all the you know the actual lots. Yeah studio stages are are at a place that we can actually film safely before they start announcing anything so i'm not too surprised but i mean come on with ending some season one's ending you know with dex and her mother like we have got, come on we've got to see more exactly. they us like when, that no way when i was watching my wife and the way it ended she's she like looks at me she goes we have to wait a whole year i was like yep right are you joking that's the <laughs> But right. they, you know, they know what they're doing, and yeah. uh, Jason Richmond, the showrunner, he's 
He's real brilliant. He's it, real brilliant, dude. And it will be interesting to see who they cast for that role. If they, oh, if they, if they haven't already. Tell me about it. <laughs> right? right? I should know these things. So like, get more information. I'll let right, you know. Right, right. <laughs> so, like, so, so how is it working with the rest of the cast? Like, uh, how often do we work together? How is it working with them? Like, the, like, uh, how is it working like with with them like in other scenes? Because you know, most of your scenes are with Michael, but like, what about like for the other characters? I know. Well, it was kind of interesting. I, you know, I didn't get most of my episodes were, uh, yeah, with Mike, and so most of my time on on set was with him. Um, but Kobe and Cameron and Cole, I mean, those people, Lynn and I never really had a, um, i by her character name, Tantu. Her and I never had any scenes together. Um, but Kobe and Cameron and Cole, I remember spending time with them on set and like, it's just nonstop laughter, yeah. really. These people are some of the kindest individuals you will ever meet in your life. Um, except Jake Johnson. I hope Jake Johnson hears this. I the first day I met I met Jake Johnson. I walked up to him and I was like, "Hey man!" And I guess he was on the phone. I was like, "Hey man, I want to talk to you." And he's like, "What's up?" And I was like, "I want to spend some time talking to you." And he looked me dead in the eye and he's like, "I'm in the middle of something." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." And I walked off. But ever since then, we we've been you know we'll see each other on set and be like, "Hey babe, hey man." That's awesome. Ever since then, we haven't had that long talk yet. I'm still, Jake, I'm still waiting for it. And don't forget uh, Tuki. He's a good character on the show, too. Oh, my God. How could I forget Adrian? Oh, my gosh. I deserve a slap in the face. That man. I had him on the Peter show. Martinez. He's funny. He's real funny. Thank you. He is, I'm telling you, the, the entire cast are like some of the best human beings on this planet. Like, yes, they're great actors. But I think what makes them great actors is their ability to see such vast amount of perspective and be able to empathetically and gracefully digest those perspectives. Mm. These people are really angels. And yeah, I, I would be blessed to spend many, many, many seasons with them. That's awesome. Yeah. Like I said, I hope we see another season because you can't, you can't, you can't end it like this. Right. <laughs> no way. They can't do that to us. No. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, um, so what's next for you in uh, 2020? Any other projects that you can talk about? Oh, it's so funny. I'm very bad with NDAs, Elias. I'm very, very bad with them. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I've got a lot of stuff um, kind of being developed and uh, being written. Um, and that process, I'm so damn impatient. As an actor, I just want the scene to happen. Call action, let me do it, and let's call cut. But before we get on set for production, we got to finish all the pre-production work and writing a story, developing the characters, developing the tone that takes so much time. So I'm in the midst of doing that on a couple of personal projects at the moment. And um, I've been doing a lot of auditioning and a lot of uh, voiceover work. Um, I do a lot of promo for Freeform. I don't know if you know the channel, channel Freeform. Yeah. Those guys, that I love that network. I love that network so much. They're really trying to push boundaries, and I do a lot of their voiceover promo work. So if you hear on, you know, blah, 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 at 7 p.m. Eastern Central Time, here and everywhere, you watch Freeform. That's probably me. <laughs> um, and 
you know, just like everyone else, we're trying to do this daily grind. My voiceover work is more of my daily grind yeah. where every single day I'm putting some kind of work into it. I'm editing something or recording something. And then simultaneously, I've got some other work that is more investment work. It's something I'm putting time in every day, but I'm not seeing much results yet, but I will, you know? So with the, um, with the so voiceover work, are you, with the voiceover work, are you trying to get into like, you mean like cartoons and stuff like that? Yeah, I had, um, I had quite a bit of animation auditions this year, mainly I'm assuming because of COVID, um, animation is moving forward much more so than on camera. So, um, yeah, a lot of video games. I had a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle audition this morning. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and I'm doing all these silly things out of my room. Um, and a, a feud with, uh, you know, I don't know if you know much about the audition world, but the audition world is they have everything top secret undercover. So right. they send us shows, right? They send us stuff to audition for, but it'll have some code names. And you read the scripts and you're like, oh, this, sound, this feels so familiar, but they won't tell you what it's actually from. You kind of just have to uh, hope that you're right. So uh, I've had a couple of auditions this past week that seemed pretty big for shows, but I'm pretty sure what they are. But, you know, I can't yeah. I can't. Know they, sure. they, do, they do that a lot with Star Wars because they try to hide it so yeah. much. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Anything Marvel, exactly. anything Lucasfilm. Yeah. So I've, that's been kind of the juggle. And I. To be honest, I've been very concerned um, with uh, having a lot of faith in the work that I've put into my acting career. And now that we are suffering as a global uh, consciousness, um, something together, I've been really focused on my health, my uh, mental stability, and my close relationships. I've been really kind of more focused on that than anything. Yeah, you have to. You have to. Yeah. So, so when you you mentioned audition, auditioning and stuff like that, like, what do you prefer more? Do you like self tape or do you do you like going live into like the in front of people? Oh my gosh, one hundred percent, no doubt about it. Live in front of another human body. Yeah, it's like how it's like how you can't compare live theater to any other medium. Hmm. You know, at the end of the day, yes, I can put my energy onto a camera and I can make sure that my energy is focused enough that you can pick it up through a different medium. I'll do that for you. I think that's what makes a professional, right? But realistically, being able to go into a space, meet someone, look there, look them in the eye and say, hey, you're trying to create this story and I'm so stoked to have the opportunity to create the story with you, even if it's just for today. And here's my energy and I want you to feel it because even if I'm not great for this role, even if I don't fit the tone of this show, if you can feel my energy right now and it's true authenticity, then you'll know when I'm supposed to be for something. So when that role comes in, you'll be like, oh, man, I met that girl and her energy was just exactly right for this show. Hmm. And I'm, yeah, I'm much more into that than, you know, tape, tape, right. tape. <laughs> but I, we have to do it. We have to do both. I like asking this question because, like, that's just the different answers that people give me. And it's like, I just want to know, like, and I know, like, some people are like, I don't know what you do, but like some people say like, oh, yeah, before I go do a live audition, I go and I sit in the car for two hours or I'll just go for a walk or, or whatever. Like, what do you do to like get you ready for that? Do you do um, anything weird or it, anything? Yeah. Like, it's so funny because that question has changed for me or that answer would have changed for me over time. Um, five years ago, 10 years ago, what I did to prepare. 
Uh, now, I the only thing that I truly do to prepare is make sure that my day is running as if I had no audition. So that basically means, say I have an audition at 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Well, it's a Tuesday. On Tuesdays, I wake up and uh, I do laundry and, and feed my cats and change the litter box. So on Tuesday, when I have my audition, I may have to change the litter box and feed my cats just a little bit earlier that day. But as long as I still get my shit done that I would need to do anyway that right. day, then that's my preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, learn your lines, know who you're talking to, how you feel about who you're talking to, and what's the tone that you feel when you're bringing in, when you walk into the space. Are you breathing fast and quick? Or are you breathing slow and heavy? Um, and, you know, other than that, I just kind of flow with it. If I get too much into my head and I, you know, am in my head, then I'm not acting anymore. I'm thinking I'm in my head. That's not what you pay me for. That's right. <laughs> have you ever, have you ever like walked out of there and then you're driving back home and you're like, man, I should have done it. And then this I start way. crying. Or, yeah. Oh I mean, God, some people have told me that. Yeah. There's other people have told me they've cried. Other people have told me like, they don't think about it up. And then they wake up at three o'clock in the morning that night. And they're like, Oh, I should have done it this way. Or. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Yes. And like, uh, once we stop thinking of acting as the only time we act, then life becomes a lot fucking easier for an actor. Because you're acting every time you walk into 7-Eleven, every single time you meet your dad's new girlfriend, every time you do anything, you're going, okay, what's the authentic me? How do I be truthful in this moment? And it's hard. It's hard for every single human being to do it at any time. And the minute you open your mouth and you become vulnerable, you regret it. You go, Oh my God, I acted like an idiot. You go on a date and you tell the guy, you know, Oh, I had the farts last night. And then you're like, why did I say that? (laughs) Right. It's the same exact feeling. And every human goes through it. It's not just an actor thing. And I think that we just, uh, we're actors are so damn extreme sometimes, but it's all about that. But if we can just, take a damn step back and go, Oh, we're doing all this same stuff all day, every day in other spaces. Mm-hmm. So if we can just practice in the other spaces too, maybe we can get a hang of this shit. Mm-hmm. Do you ever wish that you could get like, when you don't, when you go in there and you audition and you know, you know, you don't get the role, but they never give you a reason why you don't get it. Does that ever like drive you crazy? Yeah. Like, you kind of wish like you knew, okay, what did I do wrong? Just so you can help yourself for the next time you go and do something. You know, I hear you, man. I hear that. And I, again, I parallel it to a girl at school telling me, I do not like the way you dress. Yeah. There is something that I could do differently to make every single person on this planet happier with me or like me more. And that's all based off of their own projections of themselves. It actually has nothing to do with me. Right. So casting is, casting is almost the same thing. You go in there and you show a side of yourself that whether you like it or not is real at that moment. And if I listen to any person or every person that tells me to change something or do something differently next time, I'll never know what feels right for me. So I think the key here is to do the audition that feels the best and feels the most right for you. And even if that casting director looks you in the face and says, that is not what we want, Give me something different. Hmm. That doesn't make you go, oh, shit, what I did was wrong. No, my friend. That just makes you go, okay, cool. What I did was great. Now what's another great thing I can do? And I think 
I think that mindset will help an actor move through the the difficult part of of rejection and of judgment because you know I'm not going to play a role like like Melissa McCarthy. If you give me the same role she played, I'm going to play it different. Right. I can see that. Well, she's more like you know? comedic and stuff like that too. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm hilarious. What are you talking about? Well, we, um, well, yeah, we, yeah. We, yeah. I mean, but your role on Stumptown is more, you know, yeah. I mean, you had you had your funny moments, but it was more, you know, it's a dramedy. Would you say, would you call it a dramedy? Oh my gosh, yes. It's definitely. Yeah. I mean, the show's a dramedy, but yeah. Kara didn't get much comedic timing. You know, funny story. One of the last episodes we shot, I went on set just to shadow Mark, the director, just to learn a bit more about the process. And Mark and I were shooting the shit. I turned up on set. No one recognized me. No one even said hi to me because I didn't know who I was. They're like, who's this like, it, like intern walking around? <laughs> and I finally take my hat off. And Mark was like, oh, my God, I'm talking. I didn't know who you were. You're funny. You're really funny. Who knew? And I was like, damn you. So I think a lot of actors, the reason why I say that is I think a lot of actors, they want the casting director to see all of their ability. They go into an audition and they're like, look at everything I can do. But a lot of the times, a role does not require everything that you can do. A role requires maybe one thing that you can do. And can you do that thing well? Um, and so, yeah, Kara at the moment is very serious. She takes her job very seriously. She, she doesn't really mess around a lot and she doesn't have time for fun and games. She gets to the point she knows what she wants and she gets it done. Yeah. I think she's going to learn a lot of lessons in season two, if that comes around, but realistically, most of the roles that I've played have had unbelievable amounts of depth and movement. And I think we just haven't seen that from Kara yet. Like I said earlier, we have to have a season two. You can't end it like this. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so, Let's write a letter. That's right. All right. So uh, how can the listeners find you on uh, social media? Um, I, I'm really, uh, easy to find. It's at Fiona Renee, F-I-O-N-A-R-E-N-E on literally every platform. Um, I'm a lot better with Instagram than anything else, but I'm still pretty crap at that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I do a lot of, like I said before, I, I try and focus my time and my energy on a lot of things outside of my acting, you know, life outside of the Hollywood world. And I've been doing a lot of like teaching, um, and I don't know if you guys are fans of RPGs, but I just did a panel because WonderCon was canceled. We did it online, but WonderCon hosted me and a couple of other um, other guys who sit on the board of directors for a nonprofit organization called the Game Academy with me. And we basically talked about how RPGs can um, affect so much social and emotional growth and learning in students. So that's kind of big hobby of mine on the side oh, wow. so check out the WonderCon WonderCon panel that was recently right a couple of weeks ago right yeah so it's supposed to be in Anaheim a few weeks ago but because of COVID they're releasing all of their panels kind of individually over the next few weeks I think ours is being released this week oh, wow. well yeah, we'll have to look forward to it and we'll have to check it out you gotta post it on Instagram so we can see it I know right I, I'm loving what you do I love that you are you've really dived into the actor community here and you are constantly part of it. So yeah, thank you. This was fun. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me, man. 
That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast. And our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time. Time, time, time.